reading from Romans chapter 12. I'll just preach on one verse, but I'm going to read verses 10 and 11. Be kindly, affectionate to one another, with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Amen. Father, we commit the preaching of your word to you and pray for you to sanctify us and draw us ever closer to you through this communion meal. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said this, He is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. Now, for many Christians, that may seem like a shocking statement. Let me read it again. He said, He is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. Does that seem overly dogmatic? Does that seem like it's too exclusionary? Well, I would submit to you that there are actually hundreds of scriptures that say exactly the same thing, that service to God for a true believer is, uh, is uh, not an option. Malachi 3, verse 18 says, Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. And so it's actually defining the difference between believers and unbelievers. Believers, true, truly saved people, uh, are righteous, serve God. Those who are wicked, uh, who are unsaved, are wicked and do not serve him. And again, service is not an option. First Peter 2.16 says that believers are freed in order to be servants of God. And there are numerous scriptures that say that we really can't escape the idea of service. We're either serving the creation or we're serving uh, the creator, either slaves to sin or we're slaves to Christ. Revelation 7 verse 3 indicates that only servants of God are spared from judgment. And so Spurgeon very correctly says, he is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. Now, we may not do it perfectly, and he certainly indicates in the rest of his sermon, you're not saved by serving God. But if you are saved already, that's your heart's desire. You're going to seek to serve the Lord. Uh, that's your desire. And so uh, today's message is uh, not going to be trying to encourage you to start serving God. I'm assuming you've been serving the Lord, and uh, this is your heart's desire to do so. Instead, I want to focus on how we can improve our service to the Lord so that we're worthy of the name of servants of the Most High God. And actually, that's an incredibly awesome, uh, incredible privilege that we have to be servants of the Most High God. So there's three points from verse 11. First, verse 11 says, "...not lagging in diligence." Uh, there are many people who only put in enough time and energy to get by, to skate by, to keep from being called on the carpet. But God calls us to not lag in diligence. And this is in everything we do. Uh, there are housewives who really need to hear this uh, verse here. They need to improve their serve and the way in which they cook and clean and uh, raise their children because they're not doing it with diligence. They're not putting a lot of time and thought and energy into it. Uh, same is true of many children who just do enough to not get bowled out by their parents. And children, if you're one of those, I would challenge you to do your housework and all of the other chores your parents give you. Do it with diligence. Uh, Ecclesiastes says that uh, uh, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. 
if you're entrusted with grocery money. Do that with diligence as stewards to the Lord. And even secular historians have said that the ethic of the reformers that completely revolutionized uh, Western civilization was this issue of diligence in work. Uh, Christians were called to excel in absolutely everything that they did. If you read the Puritans, you'll see them preaching to the farmers. That you you got to be the best farmers that you can be, and you need to be the best uh, teachers that you can be, and the best politicians that you can be. They didn't use the word politicians. They called them statesmen, which is probably a better term uh, for it. But they urged everyone to put thought and energy into the things that God has called them to do. And it was that world-transforming ethic that has been dubbed the Protestant work ethic. It's my view that Protestants are no longer characterized by the Protestant work ethic. It's really sad. Someone once uh, said, many people avoid discovering the secret of success because deep down they suspect the secret might be hard work. (laughs) And it is. It is. There is absolutely no substitute for diligence. And so as you come to the Lord's table today, I would encourage you to commit yourself once again to be not lagging in diligence and ask God for the grace to be able to uh, obey this verse. But the second phrase in verse uh, 11 is fervent in spirit. Not only are we to be outwardly diligent, we are to be inwardly enthusiastic. Okay, Paul told the slaves in Colossae to do even their menial chores heartily as to the Lord. In other words, enthusiastically. That's what that means, heartily. That requires a different attitude and perspective than we typically have. He told the slaves in Ephesus to do their work with goodwill from the heart. Uh, An old Dutch proverb says, unwilling service earns no thanks. But our service takes on a whole new character when we do it with enthusiasm and with joy. Man, if, if, if employers had all their employees working in their work with enthusiasm and joy, it would make an incredible difference in that business. One of my life verses is 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. Paul, in this verse, urged every Christian to imitate the household of Stephanus. And the verse says this, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, And they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, or as the King James Version words it, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. When you're addicted to something, you know you can't do without it, right? Uh, A person who's an addict, he loves what he's addicted to. He is devoted to what he is addicted to. And they were addicted to service and did it with enthusiasm. And that enthusiasm was so contagious that the whole family of Stephanus caught the bug, okay? So I would encourage you parents to model to your children more than a grin and bear it kind of a service. Yeah, we got to do this. uh, Because that is going to be um, less than what God calls you to. A model to your children and enthusiasm because you're doing this for God. It's a privilege to serve him. If you only serve out of guilt or because the pastor preaches that you need to do it or any other uh, goal, you're not going to have this enthusiasm because this is a God-given thing. This is a God-directed thing. Uh, Paul didn't want the Galatians enthusiastic only when he was present with them because then they would be serving Paul. Instead, he said this, but it is good to be zealous in a good thing always and not only when I am present with you. So first... 
be outwardly diligent. Second, be inwardly enthusiastic. And then third, be religiously devoted to the Lord in all that you do. Uh, reading Romans 12:11 again. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once said, I think I know of no delight on earth that is higher than that of knowing that you really are serving God. And he was referring to carpentry and any other work that we are engaged in. I was able to find great delight in working in a very vulgar atmosphere in the, um, probably one of the more difficult jobs that I was in was in the um, plywood mill and uh, cleaning up, you know, the diarrhea of incontinent patients in the nursing home and uh, finding delight in, in working as a, as a janitor in the hospital and in other jobs. And the reason the Lord was able to give me this delight is I was doing this for him. I wasn't doing it for my employer or just for the money. I was doing this as a service for him. Um, when you cook dinner, if you consciously cook that dinner for Jesus Christ and uh, see him eating it as your husband eats that uh, dinner, or if you're the husband cooking, your wife eating it, or you're seeing Jesus eating it as your children eat it, it will give you an entirely different perspective. Christ is indwelling each one of the people in this congregation. And scripture, if you could see, actually see Jesus behind that person that you are serving, and he's saying, thank you for serving in this way, it would revolutionize your life. And we've got to imbibe this principle. This is what Matthew 25 says. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. And that phrase, the least of these my brethren, is a reference to tiny kids, right? So when you mothers change your children's diapers and you feed them and you care for them, Jesus is saying that you are clothing him and you are feeding him and you are caring for him. If you lay hold of that and you do your housework for the Lord, it will revolutionize the way that you do it. There really is no task that we are called to do that we cannot do as unto the Lord. And so as you come to the Lord's table, commit yourself to outward diligence, inward enthusiasm, and uh, religious devotion to Christ in all that you do. And then ask God, say, I can't do this on my own. Lord, will you give me the strength, the grace to be able to live this out? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us in everything that we do to serve you. And that's our desire. We don't want to just serve our bosses. We don't want to just serve those who are around us. We want to serve you and care for you and feed you. We want to uh, do our uh, ministry with enthusiasm and joy because we are doing it as unto you. And so I pray, Father, that this, your people, as they come to this table, 
and they seek to once again commit themselves to being servants of the Most High God, that you would give them the grace to be able to do so effectively. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.